Hello everyone and welcome to Wednesday Night Live. My name is Ron Crawford. I'm coming to you from the uh, studio of the Father's Church in Dallas and I am happy to be able to say hello to my congregation and all of our Saints Network friends. May God bless you all today. This is a very fruitful time in the Lord. And as so many of you know, uh, our Saints Network is gearing up for a, a great number of ministry journeys that are going to begin uh, this uh, at the end of this month going into the first weekend in June, and that is in Brazil. As we, uh, as we are now preparing ourselves for that journey and the ones to come, uh, which will come in succession over the months following, we recognize that we need to present ourselves before the Lord in, uh, in a united measure of prayer. And so, without recreating the wheel here, uh, we engaged in seven weeks of points of agreement in prayer. Now, we are in the third week where we are asking for the spirit of truth from God, the, the comforter, to not only continue to guide and teach us, but to prepare us for our role in making disciples in the places in the world where God is sending us. So we need the spirit of truth, that call to sonship, and that measure of placement by the comforter to be evident upon the people, the churches, the prayer groups, the individuals that God is leading to us. It is not by our might, not by our power, not by our thinking, but it is by the Spirit of the Lord that His work will be done. We fully recognize that. Now, we're doing our best to be organized. We're doing our best to coordinate. But during these weeks, our network in so many places in the world uh, is, is joining in prayer. And um, so this week, we continue to believe for the spirit of truth, that wonderful part of our Heavenly Father that um, wants to guide and lead us and position us. It's so wonderful. So, please continue to pray uh, for my congregation. There is... No appointed prayer time at the church tonight. Some are already coming, praying throughout the day, as we always do. But uh, this is really a time this week for you to seek the Lord in your times before Him as individuals. He loves you. We have nothing against congregational prayer. In fact, we just had a wonderful congregational prayer time on Saturday and then times of prayer together on Sunday. Um, we, we vary things. And I found out as pastor that I wish it was different, but it's best to gain the directive of the Lord as to what he wants in prayer Um and then to do your best to communicate it properly because that keeps people functioning with a sense of expectancy. Um, so often if I just said, okay, every night this month we're going to be gathering to pray or every Wednesday or whatever, the first week would be good, the second week would be okay, the third week people have got other things to do, and the fourth week maybe they'll be there uh, it's just the way churches are. I don't mean that in a demeaning way. But the Father cares um, obedience is better than sacrifice. And if we would just obey, uh, that's what God wants. He's teaching us in the journey. 
we like to compartmentalize things. And I have no problem with standing points of prayer. I am not criticizing them. But what I'm saying is in this time frame among the saints, in addition to whatever your regimen of prayer is, God is really trying to have our ears clear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches, to the ecclesia, and then we obey and follow and trust. The problem with most Christians, and this is true in every part of our life, it's true in even romance, it's true in love relationships. You know, we're, we like to compartmentalize. We like to think that we're in control. We're serving God. We're doing this for you, God. But when it comes to him saying, okay, I want you to do something a little bit different. Oh, not so much. We've never done it that way before. And so God is continually trying the reins. We like to think that we're a goodly horse in battle that just knows where we're to go. God tries the reins. And if you think you're supposed to go this way and the tug of the Spirit is giving you a, a pull in another direction, um, you better be sensitive to hear that. That's not my message for today, but just know that there is no, on my congregation, if you want to come and pray, that's fine. But if you don't see me here, don't get angry. There's no concerted, organized prayer time tonight. Like this morning, I woke up at 4.30 and was in prayer immediately. I'm not trying to sound spiritual, uh, but this is just what goes on with intercessors. I went to the front room, sat in the dark and prayed, looked at some verses and prayed, and I stayed there until the morning light came in. And then I got up and came into the church. I'm not saying, oh, look at me. I'm saying, don't dismiss those times when God is calling. He wants to develop you. Yes, he wants you to honor the times when the, the trumpet call goes forth and, okay, congregation, let's come to pray. Or, saints, let's be in agreement in prayer. But that does not eliminate the most important measure of God speaking to you in the still small voice. And God is developing every, attempting to develop every facet of our relationship with him. So, today, I want to invite all of our saints' family to get your Bibles. If you have a Bible program, if you've splurged and paid the few dollars to get one with a Strong's Concordance, Get it ready. But you won't even need that today. Just get your Bible. And we're going to look at the times that Jesus spoke in the book of John about asking. And particularly the, the phrases where he says, ask, the Greek word aiteo, A-I-T-E-O, that is not a Scandinavian furniture shop that you go and buy stuff and then you take it home and you have trouble putting it together. That's Ikea. This is aiteo, A-I-T-E-O. And it's a specialized designation of prayer in the New Testament. We have studied this in the past. But as a thumbnail reminder, this word means to be in a position of authority, to be in a position of appointed alignment. In other words, you have served and God has promoted you to this capacity. And you are asking God directly on behalf of something that you are partnering with him in. Now, how is this different than deasis or the New Testament measure of supplication? That type of prayer is when you are embracing the burden of the Lord. You are committing yourself to that burden, whatever he's wanting to do in grace. <clears throat> you are establishing your willingness to partner with the empty hand of God to see something that he wants to do accomplished. 
That is supplication. And God gives insights in regard to this. Aiteo is when you are in the midst of points of um, service to the Lord and you are directly representing the Father by virtue of some measure of authority that he's given you to stand in on behalf of a particular mission. And this is the word, Iteo, that is used here. And we're going to look a lot, beginning at verse chapter 14 of John, uh, verse 13, and we're going to see what Jesus says there during that time that was immediately leading to Gethsemane and to the cross. And Jesus was talking about, look, I am going to the Father. You know, he's going to send another comforter, even the spirit of truth. And, you know, if, if I didn't go, um, this would not be possible, but it's expedient for you that I go away because if I did not go to the Father, I couldn't send this to you or couldn't ask the Father to send this to you. This other study that we're doing now is happening at the same time, in the same place, but he's talking about how we ask. So I would even encourage you to get, see, I've got a piece of paper. I sound like Paul Harvey or uh, Rush Limbaugh. Of course, I don't know what they sound like now. Both of those guys have gone on to whatever reward they've earned from God. But get a, get a piece of paper and maybe a pen. See, I've got a pen here. I've got a pencil too, but it doesn't make any clicking noises. I may write some in pen and write some in pencil. Who knows? I might get creative here. But we're going to study together today. Isn't that nice? So, I've told you what Iteo means. Um, we've already, again, studied this in the past, but for those of you who are newbies that may be hearing this for the first time, I just gave you a definition. So, um, the one other thing I want to mention is this word, Iteo. If you study it, if you click and see the times that it is used in John, it is first used with the woman at the well. And that's significant in itself, but we're not talking about that right now. We're moving on ahead to John 14. But in between, this word shows up at the tomb or surrounding the death of Lazarus. And his sister, Martha, hears that Jesus is finally arriving. She goes out and she says, I know enough about you in John 11. You can see it right there if you've got your program. If you've clicked Iteo and searched it here in John, I know that even now, whatever you will ask Iteo of God, God will give it to you. So Martha has recognized this operative function that Jesus patterned before the Father. And she was confident that it works. And she has observed this in Jesus, in the pattern that he established as a son, and she states it unequivocally. Let that be said of us as we go forth to make disciples. Iteo is not a term that is discretionary. Iteo is when you are serving the Father and you know that God wants to do a thing and you begin to ask why does God want that? Well, we've talked about this in umpteen numbers of ways. God wants to develop you as a partner, as a son, as an intercessor. He could easily do everything on his own, but he wants you. And so he wants you to learn his ways as an intercessor. And he wants you to ask because God always looks for an intercessor. Everything begins with a voice. So this is why we have this framework. So may it be said of the saints that as we go forward, the people that we're sent to, to disciple, will recognize this principle and will even be able to say, 
I know that whatever you I tell in the name of Jesus, it will be done. It's not for our pride. It's for the patterning and the making of disciples. One other thing before we get to John 14. In John's epistles, he uses a, an extended derivative of aiteo. Aitema. A-I-T-E-M-A. You can look that up for yourself. It's translated as petitions. And so, petitions is not your prayer list. Petitions is not your laundry list. Petitions is something that is based upon this word, Iteo. Sometimes we would like for God to just do things immediately. But the first sign of the apostolic is patience. And when we ask, we believe. We need to remember what we've asked. Not so that you can browbeat God. God, I ask you, I don't know, are you not hearing me? I don't understand. You know, we go off like that. Emotion needs to be reeled in. But when you speak something and you know that God has put it in your heart as a partner, as a saint on a mission, you've asked. You need to have a little confidence that it's going to be done. Your petitions are before the Lord, and you would do well to remember them. See, the natural mind would like to forget the Iteo that you've offered before the Lord. So it might do you well to at least note it and remember it. Some of you have a memory as long as a caterpillar's fingernail. You need to write some things down so that you remember. And um, that's petitions. And it, John, who really highlights that. So John here is the scribe that's providing this gospel for us. So we finally arrive at John 14. Words in red on my Bible program. Ooh, I got to pay special attention to those. And it says in John 14, we'll, we'll skip just one verse before that, to John 12. Verily, verily. That's a great word. Verily, verily. Amen. Amen. The double issuance of the right hand of the throne of God. Because this word, amen, is a name of God, but it also comes from the Old Testament word, aman, which means the right hand. Benjamin is the son of the right hand. Aman is the signature word for belief in the Old Testament. God expects for us to be operating from the prophetic standpoint of the right hand. When Abraham, when Moses was told to speak to the rock and instead he whacked the rock and cursed the people, God said, you did not believe. You did not aman what I told you to do. And so the people are not sanctified in the pattern that I wanted to display through you. So here is Jesus doing a double issuance. He repeats, Amen, Amen, which anytime there's a double issuance, it is an endearing thing. These are all things we've studied. I'm just reminding you of them. You should know them already. Why do I keep saying this? Because here's why. We studied about the spirit of truth, and it says that he will guide us into truth, he will show us the things the Father wants us to see in the Word and in other ways, and he will bring things to your remembrance. Are you believing the Spirit to bring things to your remembrance? Any teacher, and we have many teachers in the Saints Network, 
One of the things that irritates a teacher is when they've gone over something with a student and the student knows it, and then by the next week, the student has forgotten all what they learned. How does that make you feel, teachers? Well, the Spirit of the Lord promises to bring all things to our remembrance. We hide the word in our hearts so that we don't miss the mark. We hit the mark. And so when I reiterate these concepts, I expect that all of the saints have an operative understanding of these terms. I'm not trying to berate you. I'm trying to say, like a trainer would say, do the exercise right or don't do it at all. Do it when you're supposed to do it. And we're coming to the day when we better know these principles. We better not say, oh, where's my book? I got to look that up. These should be written on the pages of your heart. They should be hidden there. And that your, your, your spirit and your disciplined mind from understanding, studying the word is God's resource. It's God bringing those things to your remembrance. So here is Jesus. Amen, amen. That is powerful. He is attributing this endearing call to the right hand of the Father, to the essence of faith. So I say to you, what I'm saying to you is a Lego, L-E-G-O. And you better not let go, you better Lego. This is something you need to remember and put into place. So, amen, amen, Lego. At the right hand of the Father, your place, which I am going to prepare for you, I'm going to be positioned there at the right hand of the Father. And um, you better hear what I'm saying and you better apply this. He that believes on me, this is the New Testament measure of faith, the works that I do, or the works, the ergon that I have done, he will do also but greater works than these. This is Mazon, which is the fifth of the five power words in the New Testament. This is how God extends things. These are the greater works. And this is where this is our responsibility as we go into all the world. So what Jesus patterned, now we are to learn from those and we are to extend where we're being sent because I go to my Father and whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. Now, there are two iteos here. What does it mean to do things in his name? Does that just mean to sign the check in Jesus' name? Does that mean to shout his name real loud? Does that mean to say it 50 times? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. There's no more beautiful name than the name Jesus. But it's not some potion that you ignite by saying the name. Do you know how many people in the world say Jesus' name as a curse? What does it mean to say, to ask in his name? Now again, hear me. I love the name of Jesus. There's no greater name, the, the Deliverer, the Yeshua. There's no greater name. I'm aware of those teachings. I'm aware of the fact, though, that we need to recognize what the name really means. So, in my name, this is anomos in the Greek, and that means to recognize what the name represents, to recognize and cherish what that uh, name has done to try to be like what that name represents to function as that name functioned. That's wonderful. 
Now, do you know the root of onomos, which is name, this is what the word Jesus is using, is noma, which is law. The Bible says that there is a man of lawlessness that is being released in the end time. We're already seeing that, aren't we? And so, Jesus came to pattern the laws of God, the true laws of God, not legalism, not the law of Moses, but the law of grace and truth, and the law of the Spirit, the law of relationship with the Father, the law of what the Father wants to do through his sons. Jesus patterned that. Jesus lived that so that we too might go and do the greater works, so that we too might go and represent what the Father has shown through his Son. So if we ask, if we iteo in his name, that's not just why didn't he say whatsoever you shall ask in the name of Jesus? He doesn't say that anywhere here in this discussion we're going to be looking at. He's talking about what the name means, how he patterned the name as a son of the Father. And so we ask, if we iteo in my name, which is Jesus, of course, we're speaking to the broader extent of what Jesus patterned, what he represented, what he demonstrated, who he is, who he was, how he related to people, what his methods were, what his intent was. So many people evoke, invoke the name of Jesus for things that Jesus isn't anywhere near. They spill out some plan that is more soulish than anything else. And they end it by saying, in the name of Jesus. And sometimes they add a lot of flower. In the name that is above every name, before which every knee will bow and every tongue confess, in Jesus' name. I'm not mocking him. I've heard some, some of the wackiest things that people have asked that weren't even scripture, flowered off by all these... Uh, these uh, demonstrable descriptions and then sign it in Jesus' name. No, the name means, are you doing what he did? Are you patterning what he patterned? So it's sonship. If you iteo anything in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified. Now, that's fun because the Father glorifying the Father is really fulfilling what the Father has commissioned you to do. Jesus is praying for us that we will fulfill the will of the Father. These are all New Testament principles. And so, here you have Jesus beginning this treatise on Iteo there at the table. He begins by saying, Amen, Amen. And then he speaks about works and how we need to go into all the world, uses Maison, and that we, would, um, that we would be able to accomplish where God sends us through the power of the cross um, to do his work. And whatever you ask in my name, when you're demonstrating what Jesus patterned, that's going to um, be utilized by the Father in the mission he's given you. Jesus is praying for you to accomplish that mission. And um, if you, he repeats it. If you ask in Iteo anything in my name, I will do it. And then he goes into, if you love me, keep my commandments. I will pray the Father. He will give you another comforter. See, it ties in this week. So what's the next passage that we're looking at here in our Bibles. If you have the Bible program, you already know we're going to John 14. But if you don't have the program, you can just get your handy-dandy Schofield, Dake, um, whatever uh, version you have, um, Allen Bibles, 
you know, my niece brought an amplified Bible, and I joked, I said, boy, that Bible's so amplified, it's so loud. Put it over there. It's so amplified, I can't stand having it that close. And we laughed about that. There's fire Bibles. There's passion Bibles. There's the supercalifragilisticexpialidocious Bibles. And, um, you know, so whatever your Bible is, you could just be flipping the, the sacred leaves and go to John 14. Well, well, we've already been in John 14. Now we're in John 15. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done. You remember that old chorus? Well, what does abide mean? That's meno. That's not necessarily goosebumps. It's you committing to stand where you've been planted by God. If you abide in me and my rhema is abiding in you. That's, that's different than logos. It's God making one of his words, one of his promises alive and vibrant for that moment, for that particular time. If that's rooting in you, you ask, I tell, what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified. There's that concept again, that you bear much fruit, so will you be my disciples. So if you want to ask what you will and it shall be done, you better be faithful in that place that the Comforter has called you to serve and you're standing there. And you better be receiving rhema words from the Lord. Some people think they're going to get a rhema word every 10 minutes. If they haven't gotten one burning in their belly, they'll call old ancestor so-and-so and say, do you have a rhema word for me? I found this about rhema words. You get them when you need them, and you better use them because they don't die out until they're fulfilled. And you'll sense that in your spirit. Some people like the euphoria of receiving a rhema word. It's just like your eyes are bigger than what your stomach needs. You need to cherish what God gives. Make sure you hear the whole thing. But let that rhema play out. It's going to be in the abiding place. It's going to be waiting there with you. And in that place, if there's something you need to ask in your deliberations before the Father, ask. And it'll be done. The Father is glorified and you'll bear much fruit. What, what have we been studying about how trees bear fruit? Do you remember that study? Um, the leaves have a dual function. One of them is to breathe and to draw in not only oxygen, but to draw in carbon dioxide, to draw in some measures of pollutants, and to deal with it, to deal with it, and to become a sweetened measure of sugar-like um, property. And then that empowers the tree to grow. It empowers roots to grow. It empowers branches to grow out, but it empowers the fruit. And if you're not processing, what you're supposed to be doing is intercession, is intercessors. And if you're not doing it properly, there won't be the sweetness in you to produce fruit. Herein is how people fail in grace. And instead of sweetness, they produce bitterness. And that bitterness gets down into the roots. And then that's what you spew into the atmosphere. You're a, you're a bitter spewer instead of the pure water, the moisture, the cleansed measures of faithful intercession. This is wonderful. In other words, you're participating in fulfilling what God's mission is for you. He's being glorified. You're bearing much fruit. Isn't that wonderful? 
But if you're abiding, if you're standing where God's planted you, in it, with him, he's there, Jesus is with you there, and rhemas are being generated, you're learning from the Lord. He's giving you what you need. Be satisfied with that. Don't give place to bitterness. If, you're pro- if that's all you're processing, man, you're going to defile many. We ought to be beyond that. Instead, produce sweetness and let that fuel you, no matter what's going on around you. Tap into the water supply. Remember, that's, that process is what draws water from the wells of salvation. That's how the roots, that's the priming that causes you to draw water. And if you're not doing that, you're just going to be a moss pit. Not good for anybody. Strong wind will knock you over and you may knock other people over with you. There's much more to this, but that's how you bear fruit. And that's how trees bear fruit. And that's what God wants. So in the midst of that, you're getting ramas. That could be in the form of prosuke. That could be in the form of God simply illuminating a scripture to you. God has many ways of giving ramas to us. The enemy will try to launch evil ramas. Turn it for the good. Some of you just, I bless your heart. That's a southern phrase of saying, what the heck is wrong with you? Bless your heart. Oh, bless his heart. That just means that guy sure is screwed up. But you want to say something nice. Oh, bless his heart. Turn to see Ernie Ford. So who's that? Bless your little pea-picking heart. We ought to be big-spirited before the Lord. And um, if the enemy knows how to target you with evil ramus, your leaves like them. You got a place in you, and you just live for that. And if it's not anywhere around you, if you imagine it, and then you make everybody else in the grove miserable. We got to be bigger than that. So, how do you produce fruit? Do your job. Do it as unto the Father. Know that Jesus is with you and he's also praying for you at the right hand. Ramas come. You learn from that. That is how you produce fruit. And from that fruit, then, you can let others ingest and grow. You pattern this. This is so wonderful. I love it, but it's not you just being all warm and cuddly. You know, I've been around enough intercessors throughout my years to know that some people really like the warm and cuddly, but when you're asked to stand, uh-uh, not so much me. You know, I don't I don't war. No way. I, that's work. I just want to feel the goodness of the Lord, and I want people saying sweet things to me. You will never grow. You may be just as pretty as a June bug on a spring morning with the sun shining on the dew that's collected on you. But you'll never grow if that's all you're good for. God needs you to truly abide with Him and let those rhemas be generated from prayer, from the Word, from the angels, from the Father whispering things. Utilize that to grow and be strong. And then there are things that God would want you to ask for. What would they be? That the objective that you know, as you know it, not your fanciful idea of what God's going to do, because there's a way that seems right unto us, but the end thereof is destruction. God's ways are not ours, our ways. So many times I just knew that God was going to answer what we were believing for in the way that I prescribed. And you know what? Most of the time, the way he fulfilled the miracle was in a way that I had not seen, ear had not heard, neither had it entered into my heart. God did a thing that was astounding. And it was much better than what I thought. So, just know that when it comes time for you to iteo, 
God's going to direct that. And it may, you would be better to, to ask in accordance with what you do know. Don't be telling God how to do it. Be, be asking for the objective. Leave the details to him. Now, sometimes there may be a mountain in your way. You have to say to that mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea. Sometimes God wants you to go up on that mountain and to take the high place. And if you're just casting it out, you're not going to be in alignment with how God created the earth. Did you ever imagine that? Not all mountains are to be cast into the sea. If that was the case, we'd all be flooded. Sometimes we go through the mountain. Well, I digress. But we have to bear much fruit. That's wonderful. So, what's next on our study? Well, those of you with the Bible program, if you just go right back up there to your little, if you're an olive tree, just click on the, the Sherlock Holmes magnifying glass up at the top, and boom, up comes the next place that this word is used. And guess what? It's used a bunch of times here. It's in John 16. So if you have your Bible, you can turn the leaves of that scripture to John 16. But if you have the program, you're already there. John 16, 23 through 27. In that day, you shall ask me nothing. Now that word for ask is eroteo. Now remember what we talked about this. This is what you would speak to a contemporary or somebody that you have a measure of equal uh, equality with. When you're talking, the disciples would ask Jesus, it wasn't that they were equal with him, but they had, it, it was more of a friend-to-friend -friend kind of a thing. And it really wasn't a, it wasn't a, um, a legal type of a standing, but it, it was, um, it was, it was intimate as it were. But in that day, you're not going to nuzzle up to me and ask. But I say to you, verily, verily, here we go again. Amen, amen. This is a, this is another instance. It's the amen, amen sandwich. We began this discussion, and here we are at the end. Whatsoever, hosos, you shall iteo the Father in my name. He will give it to you. Hitherto have you iteoed nothing in my name. Iteo and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Remember what we studied about joy. It's set before us. It's the fulfillment of what God has promised or what your objective is from the Father. Jesus endured the cross because of the joy set before him. Joy is, in the New Testament, derived from grace. Rejoicing is the attitude of grace. So that your joy may be full really means that the things you've kept your focus on in grace, in partnership with God, is going to be completed. All these things I have tried to teach you in Proverbs, parables, and in other ways. But the time comes when I am no more speaking unto you that way, but I'm speaking to you plainly of the Father. And in that day you will I tell in my name, and I say not unto you that I will eroteo because of my close relationship with the Father uh, for you, for the Father himself loves you. You're engaged in, in a way that he's pleased with. This is phileo. This is an agape. And because you have embraced my ways as a friend to me and have believed 
that what I've been doing is from God. I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. Again, I leave the world and go to the Father. He boils it all down. And um, this Iteo is really where we are. So I've just jotted some things down here, which is what I ask you to do. I even wrote it with a pen. It's a black pen, so it's, it's legal. Not one of those flowery red pens or blue pens. This is a black one. Martha said, We've seen what you do, Lord, and whatever you iteo, it, you got it. Now Jesus says it's time for you to be this way. In John 14, you want to glorify the Father. In John 15, you stay where you're planted through the Comforter. Um, I'm just borrowing from the context, which is readily there for you. Whatever the Spirit of Truth is doing to try to teach you, whatever ramus He's uncovering, you let them abide in you. You let them do the work. And you, you ask so that your Father's mission will be fulfilled and you'll be doing the job properly. You'll be bearing much fruit. In John 16, I just want you to know that, Jesus says, that this isn't going to happen just because I'm one with the Father. This isn't going to happen just because I have an inroad to Him. This is going to happen because I'm praying for you to fulfill the will of the Father. I'm with you in that place. I want you to be as sons. You need to be Christ-like. I want you to fulfill what I've shown you in my name. And so this isn't happening just because I'm up there in proximity with God. This is happening because you have embraced the name. It's happening because I've died and sacrificed myself and rose again and ascended to the Father. All of that's there. But you have seen this. You're willing to be like me. The Father sees that, and he himself is happy with what you're doing. Phileos. And so you ask, Iteo, he's giving you a mission, and this is the way it is. And uh, I, I just think that's where we are right now. That's, that's where you are right now. So we're praying about truth, sonship, the comforter this week and woven into the fabric of that very discussion in the book of John is this Iteo discussion which Jesus speaks in John 14 with the Amen Amen he speaks in John 15 it's just wonderful it's just it's just wonderful and um and then he does a, a revisiting of the amen amen in john 16 and he says you know you have been my friends you are my friends you are patterning yourselves after what i've represented in the name you like it. You may not always understand it, but you've embraced this. The Father has noticed this, and he, because you are doing what I came to pattern for you, and you have freely embraced it, and now you are glorifying him, you are bearing fruit, the Father likes that. Now remember our study on agape, that falls more into the framework of your, your bonding in grace and your committing to the purpose and your willing to uh, breathe hard after the agab of, of what God wants. You know, it's a, it's a different thing to be uh, captivated by that burden fuel of agape and actually 
doing things in accordance with what Jesus patterned. I've found out that sometimes people think that because you're moving in agape, you can do it your way. And you can bypass certain things that Jesus patterned. Nope. That's, that's not... That's not what it is. The Father is looking at you because you have, of course, you've come hard after him. Of course, you've committed to his ways. Of course, the joy set before you should indicate that you're functioning in agape. It may not, but it should. But the Father sees that you're doing what Jesus patterned. And you, you've committed yourself to it. You've become a friend of God. Remember Jesus' discussion with Peter? Peter, do you love me? Those three times, those three groups of responsibilities that Peter had, and there was an intermingling of phileo and agape there. Go back and study that. We're out of time today. You can study that for yourself. In fact, you may be able to to just um, look up phileo and have a nice study of phileo, friend of the bridegroom. Um, But for us today, I would say that we need to be iteoing that the Father would send the fullness of the Spirit of Truth, the fullness of the Comforter. You know, To me, I didn't realize it at the time, but when we first became willing to be changed by God, you know, we were already Christians, we were already speaking in unknown tongues, we were already in the the church, we were blessed, and God was so good. Um... When God stirred our hearts and we fasted and prayed and God changed us, he started immediately to teach us about the name. And I suspect that, yes, the agape was there. Yes, the appeal to know the Father was there. But the spirit of truth was released to us to guide us the comforter was sent to release us, to, to lead us into where we were supposed to be positioned and placed. And the abiding was us committing to that purpose. Yes, it felt wonderful, but it also required warfare. Just stand in the gap. When you've done all to stand, stand therefore. Let your roots grow deeper. You know, Think about that with the parable of the sower. Um, That group that did not have roots that were deep. What does that mean? The first time challenges came, they didn't process them properly. So there was no sugar that went forth to strengthen the roots. It wasn't just that trials came. Because that would seem bad. Why didn't, why didn't God anoint those roots and make them grow longer, stronger? Because it was up to them to process the things that were coming against them. And they didn't do it. I've seen that happen. How about you? Now, I'd like to say that every time challenges come to me, I process them properly. But the beauty is that even though I don't at times, and who among us does process things properly every time? If we miss the mark, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's praying for us. But the beauty is that hopefully we've done it right enough times that even though we may not respond as we should to some extraneous attack that we weren't expecting or that we were, uh, you know, some new threat came that we hadn't experienced properly or 
You know, any number of things could happen. Maybe we were just so weak uh, because we've been battling for months and, and now here this last straw comes. But our roots were strong enough that we could survive our foolishness and then begin to do the right thing. He looks beyond our faults, sees our needs. But if you just say, no, I'm not going to do it this way. I like being here. Hey, I like this seed. But you're not going to be an intercessor. Your roots are not going to grow. So, I think that our Iteo this week is to ask for the spirit of truth. That one of the seven spirits of God is listed in the scripture. That the spirit of truth, the comforter, would be upon us in new ways of God's choosing. And ask the Father for this dynamism of his heart to be upon us, that it would even now be amongst the people in Brazil and subsequently then in France and in the other places that Father is sending us to in this time of, this crucial time of breakthrough. There are other things that we could ask for. But again, I would not be asking him for the way you figured out he should do it. I would ask for the joy. I would ask for the fulfillment of the mission. And the things that have been clearly revealed that God wants us to ask for, ask for them. You know, and if you're one of those people that just listens to everybody on the internet and you, you hear their plan and you hear their words, I'd be really careful. They're called to do something that they should do. Why are you looking on somebody else's homework? Why are you, why are you listening? If you're, if you're called to, to play shortstop, why are you listening intently to the instruction given to the pitcher. I mean, that's not how you're supposed to throw over to first base or to the second baseman or home or th from the cutoff man. You do what you're supposed to do. And don't be, don't be, don't be such a busybody about what God's saying to other people. Peter said to Jesus, what are you going to do with John over there? And What did Jesus say? What is that to you? Boy, that's... What business is it of yours? Ooh, did Jesus say something like that? Well, he did. So let's listen to what God's saying to us as saints. We know that God has said, I want you to ask me for this. Let him decide how it's coming let him in fact you go back to what Martha said you know if you'd just been here our brother wouldn't have died I know that if whatever you I it's going to be that way well Jesus was right there according to the I of the father it's how it worked out that everybody else had an opinion about Anyway, okay, we have, uh, we have studied together. I hope you like this way of doing it. I'm not saying we're going to do it every week this way, but we're praying about truth and sonship. We've had teaching on that for years. We reiterated it on Sunday. There's a reason that God said, ask in my name, and boom, here these are. So God bless you all. Thank you for your partnership. Don't underestimate what the Father is doing through you and what he expects from you. Um, he's with you. Amen and amen. So once again, for my congregation, there is no organized prayer time tonight here at the church. Okay? You can come and pray if you want to. Just know that. I don't want anybody to be confused or 
out of the place where God wants you to be. Thanks. Have a wonderful day. and God bless all of you.